Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here. Time for another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. I'm joined by my co-host, Susie Porton. Susie, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I am well. We have a bunch of email to respond to today, as always, but let's give the call-in number, 347-994-2981. Press 1, please. And um, anything that you wanted to start with today before we jump into the mailbag? Well, just uh, as a reminder that the 6th Annual International Summit will be coming up on November 4th in Portland, Maine. And um, I hope a lot of our listeners are able to attend. It's a very exciting day. It's a big day, and it's all about collaborative and proactive solutions this year. Mm -hmm. And um, we have speakers coming in from Australia and Denmark and California and Sweden. Um, They'll be talking about all of the uh, research and projects that have been going on with CPS in their locations. That doesn't even come close to covering all that is being done, but... um, we're going to have folks in who've been um, doing a lot on CPS for a very long time, and it should be a good day. It always is. Portland, Maine, November 4th. I know that a lot of the members of our The B Team uh, Facebook group are coming, and I know that a lot of the certified providers who um, have received uh, very intensive training in the CPS model are coming, about 20 of them. Um, So as many folks as we can get, I know that over 200 people are registered so far, and um, I think the room only holds three, so we'll see if we get to three. We'll find out. be a good day no matter how many people show up. Absolutely. And um, just regarding your newest book, Raising Human Beings, Uh, You wrote a great article for the Washington Post a few days ago um, that I just wanted to mention. I did indeed, and even tweeted about it. Takes a lot to get me to tweet, but but I tweeted about it. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Um, (laughs) Don't know what to make of tweeting these days. It's entered the political arena and... Mm -hmm. um, for some at least, has become just another way to um, disparage people. Um, that's not very, uh, that, well, that's not the better side of human nature. 
And I think that's why, believe it or not, so many people are um, so unhappy and so disappointed in this American presidential campaign. It's become customary to say that we have two deeply flawed candidates here. The way the system works, you've got to vote for one of them. Um, but we, we would not say that um, this presidential campaign in particular, presidential campaigns in general, but this presidential campaign in particular, um, gives us good examples for our kids or for anybody of the better side of human nature. Um, what a uh, show it's been and um, what a shame it's been um, that uh, a wonderful democracy has lowered itself to this. Um, we can do better. You're and exactly I think, right. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think we need to um, – think we've been looking for the wrong things uh, in our candidates, um, but I guess it also – uh, is telling that politics uh, were was, American democracy was de- designed to be an adversarial process, and um, if you design something to be an adversarial process, I guess you're hoping that folks will remain civil. Um, but that's not so easy to do. Um, remaining civil while practicing uh, an adversarial interactions um, hard to do that. And it's just so fascinating to see it descend into meaningless name-calling and, um, well, dismissiveness of each other's points of view. All of it so contrary to CPS and how to actually solve problems together. Um, So uh, it's disappointing to see what we have to endure for the next three weeks and what we've been enduring all along here, I think it's been a fascinating study in um, the other side of the human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, what a pity! Yes, it is. Um, Turns out that politicians are uh, just as prone to um, succumbing to that stuff as the rest of us. Um, and uh, well, looks like some of the rest of us are joining in too on um, the melee, but you were going to say something, sorry. Oh, no, please, go ahead and finish what you were. I was done. Okay. Um, Actually, I got a question a couple of weeks ago by email um, that I often, we often suggest keeping a log so you can identify the lagging skills and unsolved problems that a child's experiencing. And I was just wondering, what observations do you think are important about the log? What's important about the log? Mm-hmm. Well, you are very well qualified to answer that question. All right. Um And also I bring this up because I was thinking if one person had this question, there's probably more uh, out there that might uh, want some clarification. So um, we we suggest to to keep it a log for a week, um, what people are agitated about, what um, they – 
the child might be balking at doing, um, people disagreeing over, um, who is uh, working with the child on an unsolved problem. Um, It also shows hibernating problems show up and um, challenging behavior becomes predictable. Um, Let me just, give me one second, please. Uh, The who, what, when, and where are usually sufficient as long as you're thinking about how the events recorded in the log might be reflecting lagging skills and unsolved problems that need to be dealt with. And your log provides this key information. Um, So you're identifying the child's lagging skills and unsolved problems. And uh, I I tried to be very specific regarding my son's unsolved problems. I also thought about what he was getting in trouble about, um, what we disagreed about, and just that collaborative and proactive solutions gave me the hope and strength to do what I had to do to help my child. Well put. That's my two cents. Here's my one cent. Mm-hmm. Um, the log is especially useful when parents are having difficulty coming up with unsolved problems. That's especially when they're useful. Because um, what that basically tells us is that um, they're having, they're not paying real close attention, as most of us don't, to um, these specific conditions in which challenging episodes are occurring. And that makes it very hard for them to come up with them. So it's one big blob. It's one big blob of meltdowns, one big blob of explosive episodes. Um, And so long as it's a blob, then there won't be any specific problems to solve. So long as it's a blob, all we can really say is that we don't want it to happen anymore. Um, we, We want to get rid of the blob. Um, but um, that's not going to be specific enough. So in caregivers who are seeing explosive episodes as just one big blob and are having difficulty coming up with the specific conditions in which those challenging episodes are occurring, the log can be very helpful because um, it helps them start to notice what they hadn't been noticing, and that is that Challenging episodes are specific to certain situations, certain expectations in particular. And um, now it's not a blob anymore. So maybe we'll call this program um, Do Away with the Blob. (laughs) Sounds good. Um, So there's my two cents, but that's a very good question. That's why the log is so important. The log gets rid of the blob. Great, thank you. What do you think of that? Boy, we're being so creative today. I was just, you took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, well, we don't have it every day, but some days you got it. 
Some days yep. you don't. All right. Yeah. Let's let me just see if anybody's called in. Not yet. Once again, three four seven nine nine four two nine eight one. Please Let's press go. one. Please press one. Let's go to the mailbag, and here we go. My five-year-old is the exact definition of the explosive child. I'm trying to talk with him just like in Plan B. The issue with him is that he pretends he's not listening. Then we tend to get out of control. We end up threatening with some consequence regarding toys, for example, or sometimes we finish yelling, and the kid engages in the yelling or the threatening, but he's not responding to normal talk unless he needs something. All right. That's the whole email. And so there's a bunch of things that we need to check out here. What we're basically hearing, the basic issue is that mom is trying to do plan B and he pretends he's not listening. The rest of it is the aftermath, getting out of control, somebody's threatening a consequence, kids are yelling, somebody is screaming. Um, all right, so that's all the aftermath we're not there's nothing great to do about the aftermath except to do something about what precedes the aftermath if you do something about what precedes the aftermath you don't have the aftermath so uh question number 1 is um do we have our list of unsolved problems and have we prioritized that list um what are we trying to talk with him about there is an art form to writing unsolved problems, and you'll learn about writing unsolved problems in the walking tour for parents on the Lives in the Balance website. Got to write a good unsolved problem, or we're getting Plan B off to a very shaky start. Um, truth is, I the other part of this that's troubling me before I go on is the pretending part. Yeah, he could be pretending he's not listening. But I've seen kids look like they're not listening just because the unsolved problem was worded poorly. So I'd be careful with the word pretending. Um, I'm not there. Can't say for sure. Um, but I'd be careful on that part. He's certainly letting us know he's not listening at those times. Um, I'd be careful about the pretending part. Other reasons that a kid might not be participating in Plan B and responding the way he'd like, we'd like him to, we're doing it in the heat of the moment. Uh, we've added heat and rush to the mix. Um, there's some Plan A sprinkled in with the Plan B, and so he's not noticing that there's any difference here. Um, those are the biggies right off the bat. And the walking tour on the Lives in the Balance website should help out a great deal, but maybe mom has already taken the walking tour. Those are the things that I would be homing in on. And worst case scenario, we could write an unsolved problem that reads as follows. Difficulty, responding, um, when discussing a problem with mom. I don't like to usually put when in an unsolved problem, so I might just put difficulty responding to a problem mom has raised or mom wants to discuss. That's a great unsolved problem too. And you can use that unsolved problem for kids who are getting upset in the midst of Plan B, not just not listening, but getting upset. 
um, difficulty staying calm when discussing a problem with mom. But let's leave the when out again. Difficulty staying calm discussing a problem with mom. Um, that's my two cents. Susie, want to chip in there? Sure. Um, just to uh, remind people that it takes a while for the child to participate in a Plan B conversation. Um, you want to reassure the child that they're not in trouble, you're not mad at them, you're just trying to understand. Um, making an appointment with the child at a calm time and uh, even giving them a heads up what you're going to talk about might help um, to try to remember that it's not the child's idea of a good time. He's not choosing to be explosive. And consequences don't teach lagging skills. Um, solving problems, solving problems does. To uh, think, viewing your child differently, and remembering that this is a developmental delay, uh, similar, like a learning disability, and um, consequences don't teach those skills. Um, and lastly, you know, I just, well, I love all of your books, but especially The Adventures of Stretch Moore uh, for this age group um, that the mom could possibly read and even read with her child. So that's my three cents. <laughs> nice. Let's do another uh, email here. Mm -hmm. My wife and I have read The Explosive Child from cover to cover. We are starting to work through some problems with slow success, and our seven-year-old daughter seems willing to participate and clearly wants to do better. All good. That said, I'm still struggling with a couple very important lagging skills, and I'm not getting very far. Number one, she does not like to be told how to do things better and predictably takes on a bad tone and yells whenever we do try to coach her. I'm not sure how she does with coaches and teachers, but I know she is even less receptive to my wife than she is to me. She can't provide any insight as to why this is difficult for her. Where do we go from here? Number two, similarly, she yells and resists when given a direct instruction, such as try to go to the bathroom or come to dinner. We have collaboratively determined that part of the issue is difficulty changing focus from one task to another. The second issue is that she sometimes doesn't want to stop doing something she enjoys to start doing something her mother or I require her to do. She is responding to having some notice to prepare for the change, but that's, this is not always possible. Sometimes I just need her to do what she's told when told without a fight. I know that punishments and other typical plan A solutions don't work. I don't think I can live with plan C here. Any ideas? We always have ideas. Let's go back to number one. Um, I'm not seeing on number one a lagging skill. This is where she doesn't like to be told how to do things better and takes on a bad tone or yells whenever the parents try to coach her. Um, I'm seeing hints of an unsolved problem um, and that is difficulty being coached 
by dad on, and I want to be very specific um, about what we're trying to coach her on because coaching in general is going to be too global or what I call clumped. Um, difficulty being coached by dad on um, finishing, on, on completing algebra problems. Um, now, depends a little bit on how you've worded it, and that could be why she's having difficulty providing any insight as to why that's difficult for her. So that could be it. Um, it's not a lagging skill. It's an unsolved problem. I guess if someone was, if a parent was sitting in my office and said, my child doesn't like me coaching her, I would ask, what are you trying to coach her on? And why have we decided that coaching her on these things is the solution to whatever it is that she's being coached on? So I don't take it as a given that kids should be receptive to coaching from parents. But that aside, I'd want to know specifically what she's being coached on, and that would be the unsolved problem. But I don't have a good enough sense about the nature of the coaching. You know, my interpretation of that is that it's advice giving, or it's telling her that there's something she's not doing well or well enough but we need to be a lot more specific about the purpose of the coaching. And I think that if we were specific about the purpose and specific about what she was being coached on, these specific tasks, we could get the coaching part out of there. If the coaching is the parent's attempt to help the daughter with something that she's having difficulty doing, um, then the unsolved problem would be the thing the kid is having difficulty doing, the coaching is what we might call an embedded solution. It's how the parents have decided to solve that problem. But I'm betting it's not the only solution. Now, that said, and I'm reading a lot into this because it's only two or three sentences, work with a lot of kids who are overcoached by their parents. And what they often say to me is that they feel like they can't do anything right. There's just so much coaching coming at them. So once again, it depends a little bit on the nature of the coaching and uh, whether this is a kid who's feeling overcoached and whether this is a kid who's um, having difficulty um, providing insight because there are maybe things she doesn't want to say. It's also possible she doesn't know. Um, but it's also possible that it's sometimes hard for some kids to say because according to y'all, I can't do anything right. Or um, I don't really want your coaching. I want to be able to figure this out on my own. And I'll let you know if I need coaching. So it's a very solvable problem. Um, Susie, let's get your thoughts on that one before we move on to the second. Um, I was thinking to myself that it's difficult uh, to be told how to do something better. And like you just said, um, perhaps she's always feeling like she's coming up short. And one of the uh, main ideas for collaborative and proactive solutions is to accept the hand you've been dealt that, you know, your daughter may be different and, um, a, and, and you require a different way to relate to her. Um, I know it takes, it could take a while for a parent to accept that. Um, 
that your kid is different from the, quote, regular children. Um, I know it did for me um, in my experience, but once I did, it made things a whole lot easier to work with our, our child. It's the kind, you know, we need info from the kid. The kid's having difficulty providing it um, at, as a last resort. That's no, not a last resort, as, a, as an option. You can do some guessing and use the five-finger method to see if she can give you some information that way. And what you would do is make a statement, teach her the five fingers, five very true, four pretty true, three sort of true, two not very true, one not true at all. Um, and guess, that's one option for kids who are not communicating their concerns. Let's move on to the second one here. Uh, part two, similarly, she yells and resists when given an instruction, such as try to go to the bathroom or come to dinner. We have collaboratively determined that part of the issue is difficulty changing focus from one task to another. A second issue is that she sometimes doesn't want to stop doing something she enjoys to start doing something her mother or I require her to do. She has responded to having some notice to prepare for the change. By the way, I don't usually find that that's a wonderful solution. But this is not always possible. Sometimes I just need her to do what she's told when told without a fight. All right, so that's the key here. Um, no, you don't have to live with plan C there, but you do want to live with plan B there. And um, I don't know if you have a kid who is going to be able to easily tear herself away from what she's got her head into and do what you're telling her to immediately. I don't know if that's the kind of kid you got. Um, depends a little bit on the age, but um, boy, there's a lot of kids like that at the age of three. Um, I don't know if that's a realistic expectation for this kid. Apparently it's not. Um, that's why it's causing fights. And punishments and other typical plan A solutions would add fuel to the fire. What we need, and this goes back to the log idea, I don't know how specific, Dad, you are being about the unsolved problems, the expectations in really specific terms that you expect her to break herself away from and move on to. So if we take it as a given that simply telling your kid what to do is going to get her to move, mm, I think you've got more fights in your future. If we take it as a given that those times are predictable and that they are very similar day-to-day, week-to-week, then you can turn them into very specific unsolved problems and come up with solutions. One example this is one that's been in my office fairly recently. Um, a kid who was playing video games before it was time to go take a shower or bath. The parental expectation was that the minute they gave the instruction to the kid, the direction, turn off the video game and come take your shower or bath, that he would do it. It wasn't realistic for this kid. Quite frankly, it's not realistic for a lot of kids. When we explored the unsolved problem, we found that the kid didn't want to lose his level in the game that he was playing. 
And we also found that the video game was being played right after dinner and that bath time was usually only five or ten minutes after that. And believe it or not, the solution we came up with was that he wouldn't be playing video games before bath time because it wasn't enough time for him to get into the game, get it booted up, get a level, and save it. He's perfectly willing to save his level. That was the solution to that problem, that um, it was unrealistic as an expectation that he'd be able to do much of that in five or ten minutes, and also unrealistic that he'd be able to leave it um, just because adults were directing him to. So, you know, um, it's an interesting expectation. It's kind of the I say jump, you say how high. Um, if you don't have a kid who's built that way, you're going to have to solve those with plan B, and it can be just as effective that way, um, and you'll learn a lot more about your kid that way too and what's getting in the way on a certain unsolved problem. There's my two cents. Susie? Um, I just I wasn't sure if I understood you correctly, but I thought you had said you're not real keen about giving a child a warning that, you know, five minutes from now you've got to turn off the uh, video game or whatever. Right. And, and why is that? Because the kid is often no better able five minutes from now to do what we've asked, um, in which case um, – and I guess the other reason is that the five-minute warning often doesn't solve what's really getting in the kid's way. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think it's something that adults um, place a lot of faith in, sort of the warning that it's time. I just find that a lot of kids don't respond very well to that, mostly because it doesn't address their concerns and mostly because we didn't really know what those concerns were. Um, I thought you gave the parent terrific advice. There wasn't much I could add to that. Um, just wanted to make sure that the parents have the right lenses on and that, you know, seeing that it's lagging skills and unsolved problems and recognizing that then you can set things up. Now you can start helping your child. Here's another one. Let's see if we have any callers. Nope. Uh, here's another one. My five-year-old started kindergarten recently, and while her behavior at school gets high praise from the teachers, she has been having increasing difficulties at home with sleep, night terrors, and bedwetting, and overall feeling she has no control over her life and not enough home and connection time. School has several behavioral systems in place, and that is what she primarily talks about when she discusses school. I wonder if she is afraid of getting in trouble at school and works so hard all day long that once home she can no longer regulate her behavior. While many of the behaviors we are seeing at home aren't new, the intensity and frequency is. Some mornings she refuses to get ready for school. We have tried to set up predictable and consistent routines so she knows what the day will entail, but I've also tried to provide her with as many opportunities as possible to make decisions and choices of activities. We also have an almost three-year-old baby and a baby on the a three-year-old and a baby on the way, so there are times that we need her to be flexible and compromise. 
With her behavior becoming increasingly physical and disruptive to the entire family's life, we feel overwhelmed, wondering where to even start. Well, we need a list of unsolved problems. It's where we always start. And it sounds like that list of unsolved problems is going to include at least a few related to going to school and being at school. I'm not exact. Well, difficulty going to school um, is an unsolved problem. I'm not exactly sure what you're going to write to get at. Well, I, I think that's probably going to get at what you're looking for, Mom. Um, uh, yes, I get that you've got some um, tough circumstances there. You've got a baby on the way and you've got a three-year-old. Life is hectic. Life is crazy. I remember those days well. For some reason, I was thinking about those days this morning. I can't remember why. As I was driving into the office, I was remembering the good old days when things were absolutely nuts. And um, <laughs> yes, she's five. And yes, it would be nice if she could be flexible and compromise under the circumstances. However, under the circumstances, she's having difficulty doing that. We need a list so we can find out what's getting in her way on very specific unsolved problems with difficulty going to school being at the top of the list. Um, you know, um, you mentioned, Mom, that there are several behavioral systems in place, and that's what she talks about when she discusses school. I'd love to know if she's talking about them positively or negatively, but we really need to hear from her what her experience at school is. Many of the solutions that are in place um, making decisions, choices of activities. Um, let me see what else you wrote here. Um, I don't know if those are going to address her concerns. In fact, I'm betting that once you find out what her concerns are, you're going to find that those solutions could not address them. And so um, we need info. That's where to start. But it all starts. The whole process starts with a list of unsolved problems. If your theory is right that this is connected to school, you're going to find out in the empathy step of plan B. Um, my bet is that you're going to have other unsolved problems that are related to home life. You're going to want to talk to her about those too. Don't go more than three at once though because um, three at any given point in time, everybody's going to get overwhelmed. But it does sound, based on what you're writing in your email, like your kid is going through some stuff right now. Whatever it is, we don't know. We need to find out. It's making it very hard for her to be flexible and compromise. And if we demand that she be flexible and compromise when she's having difficulty being flexible and compromising, um, then I would predict that her behavior would become increasingly physical and disruptive to the entire family's life. It all starts with one single-sided single sheet of paper. Let's figure out what skills she's lacking. Let's figure out what expectations she's having difficulty meeting. And let's start solving problems together. Susie, your two cents. Um, just to uh, reiterate how in the, that the parents are uh, requiring her to be flexible. And unfortunately, right now, that's a uh, skill that she's lagging behind in. So, um, so it's important to focus in on specific unsolved problems uh, 
dealing with flexibility um, so that you can indirectly teach her that skill. Um, I was also going to suggest uh, having a conference with the teacher proactively um, just to get a sense of how things are going at school and if uh, there's any concerns. Um, And just about keeping a log, uh, you know, it's so important that we prioritize two or three problems, but um, if something pops up, put it in your log and you'll address it later as you start to solve the first two or three unsolved problems and um, you can deal with that at a later time. Good. We've got a lot of sense piling up here. Is it two cents <laughs> S-E-N-S-E or two cents C-E-N-T-S? I... Let's do one more. We're probably not going to have time for two, but here's one more. And this is an old one, but it came in after the program was on hiatus over the summer. Um, but here we go. This is a mom writing, and I think I just started the third video of the walking tour for parents. I was completely on board with everything until it was mentioned that parents should not be fined for their children's misbehavior at school. I am assuming the article referenced uh, one on CNN questioning whether or not parents should be fined for their children bullying other children. I am absolutely 100% in favor of them being fined. I feel there are a lot of lazy parents out there who are too busy and caught up in their own lives to take the time to parent properly. I know there is a lot of kids will be kids attitude out there which takes full responsibility off of the parents, in their minds at least. The bullying is out of control. Children are committing suicide daily over this and the schools have been stripped of their rights to intervene properly. I so hope that this is not what you were referring to because this places doubt in my mind and a question of whether or not this is a legitimate program that works. Don't get me wrong, I firmly believe that behavior is definitely a means of communication. I have an eight-year-old son who has uh, autism spectrum disorder, and I have two uh, adult children, so I'm very aware of the differences in children with respect to their needs and abilities. Oh, I think neurotypical adult children. I just like clarification on your stance against finding parents. Uh, you ready? Mm-hmm. I think finding parents is a horrible way to figure out what's making it difficult for parents to parent in the way we'd like them to. Horrible way to do it. Um, it's punitive, adversarial, doesn't help people provide us with the information we need about what's getting in the parent's way in the same way that Finding a kid doesn't provide us with the information about what's getting in the way for uh, a kid on a particular unsolved problem. Uh, I don't use the word lazy. Um, I think that parents are sometimes having difficulty meeting our expectations as it relates to the involvement that they should and oversight that they should have over their children's lives. But a fine is not going to fix that problem nor any other punitive intervention. Shuts down communication, keeps us from getting the information we need, solves nothing. 
and I completely agree. Bullying can be out of control, and there are kids who are committing suicide daily over that, and that is no less tragic every time it happens. We don't want to be numb to that. But fining parents is not going to fix it. No matter what we think is the reason uh, their kids are bullying. Here's what we know about bullies. A very high percentage of bullies were bullied by their folks at home. And I just wonder if fining people is the best way for them to uh, be in the right mindset as it relates to working with their kids and the school on their kids' bullying that's going on at school. Um, A very tragic scenario that could not possibly be addressed by fining people. What we need to find out is what's going on that's causing this kid to bully at school. Um, Just because a kid is bullying doesn't mean the home folks are incompetent or negligent. All right, I think we got five cents worth there. (laughs) Susie, any thoughts to add to that? I, as our listeners have probably heard me say before, I just remember back in the day when um, we were going to one psychologist here locally, and he was blaming me for my son's behavior, and I just remember him scolding me and and um, telling me how ineffective I was. Um, and here I was really trying my best, but um, my my child was displaying some really over-the-top behaviors. Um, so I just wanted to say that... Um, lagging skills and teaching lagging skills indirectly and solving problems. That's what helps the child um, and helps the parent to understand the child. There you go. Uh, We're never short of strong opinions on this program, and I want to thank the mom for uh, emailing. And I'm not being dismissive of her point of view. I just don't happen to agree with it. I think we have shared concerns. The bullying needs to stop. And parents do need to be involved in their kids' lives. Uh, We simply do not have uh, like minds when it comes to the solution. Mm -hmm. I think we are going to call it a day for today. Susie, thanks again. We're on again next week. Great. My pleasure. Thanks, as always. You bet. Take care. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. 
Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.